Well, today we're going to continue our, our study about the people of Christmas. I want you to turn with me again to Matthew chapter 1. Last week we looked at this passage of Scripture and we noted several powerful truths. One of those was that God doesn't begin the Christmas story in verse 18. It begins with Matthew chapter 1 verse 1. The genealogy is part of the Christmas story. And there's a great message that I love contained in that. And that is that God is not ashamed to be associated with people that have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He came for us in our sin and He went to the cross and died for us that we could have that relationship with Him and He can call us family. Amen? Today I want to look at another character. We can look at many characters in Scripture in the Christmas story, and some of them are a little more obscure than others. Some of them don't have very much written about them, and we kind of just read it and skim over it, and we don't really think about their story. But every person in the Christmas story has a powerful message for us. Today I want us to think about Joseph. Normally we, we think about Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus, but we don't, Joseph is kind of a, a side character. We don't really think about him and what he went through and, and what kind of a man he was and what lessons he has for our lives. So today I want us to, to look at Joseph for a few minutes. Let's begin with verse 18 today in chapter 1 of Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows after his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph. They were engaged. Before they came together, they had not been intimate. She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, and then Matthew quotes from Isaiah. He says, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph being aroused from sleep did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife, and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. That's important. Now, we're going to end with that. Joseph, it says that Joseph called his name Jesus. I love the Christmas story. I love Christmas. I love the decorations. And I love the people of Christmas. Why? Because all of us are people of Christmas. 
Amen? We've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. He's come into our hearts and lives. He has cleansed us from all of our unrighteousness. He's removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. And we are not the same anymore. We are part of the family of God. Amen? It's Christmas. In this passage, we don't know exactly how Joseph found out. We don't know. Most likely, I think that Mary probably told him that she was with child. But we don't know how he found out. But we can imagine how difficult it was. Amen? In verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now it was the custom in those days that the bride and groom didn't spend much time together before the wedding ceremony. So it had to be a tremendous shock to Joseph. I mean, he was working as a carpenter. He was preparing to have a wife and a family. He was excited about it and looking forward to it. He was a godly young man. And all of a sudden, his, his whole world is, comes crashing down. He, he finds out that this beautiful young lady that he was betrothed to, that he has promised his life to. They were going to have a life together and build a life together and, and have children, hopefully, and, and all the things that goes along with that. And all of a sudden, his worst nightmare takes place. Joseph had to be overwhelmed. He had to be confused. He had to be devastated. Think about what he must be feeling, what he had gone through. In this day, breaking an engagement was considered far worse than breaking a business contract. It was humiliating. It was devastating. And Joseph had not seen the angel yet. He had not had the encounter yet. He was pondering, what am I going to do? How am I going to navigate through this difficult situation? And really, Joseph only had two options. One, he would take Mary and bring her to the spiritual authority and present her to them and say, this woman broke our engagement. She, she's with child. And then there would be great embarrassment. That was one choice. But that choice would end up possibly not just embarrassing Mary, but it could end up in the death of Mary. Because Scripture in the law, in the Old Testament, said that someone who was caught in the act of adultery should be stoned. And we see in Scripture, in verse 20, that Joseph was thinking about these things. It says, but while he thought about these things, he probably had sleepless nights. He was probably 
torn because he loved Mary and he was looking forward to their life together. And yet he felt betrayed and he didn't understand what was going on. And he, there had to be that confusion there. So he had the choice. And, and John chapter 8 shows us that this culture was still thinking about adulterers being stoned. Because Jesus had an encounter with the scribes and the Pharisees. In John chapter 8 verse 3, listen to the story. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to Jesus a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and, and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted, by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you, Go and sin no more. That passage of Scripture has caused Bible scholars to struggle throughout the centuries. Because at first glance, it appears that Jesus doesn't really care about sin. That it, it really doesn't matter to Him. But that's not what this passage is teaching us. It's showing us Yes, the law shows how, how horrible sin is. But it shows us that Jesus came to show us grace and love. And He went to the cross. It's not saying that God doesn't care about sin. It's saying God cares about sin and God dealt with sin so that we could experience His love and His grace and His mercy and be free from it. But Joseph was having this struggle. Was he going to make her a public example and, and possibly see her stoned? And the only other choice was to privately divorce her. And if Joseph privately divorced her, it would still bring embarrassment upon him. Joseph would still have the questions from friends and families. What happened? What's going on? Where's Mary? It would have still been humiliating and an embarrassment for Joseph. But Joseph was a righteous man. Look at verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting her to, uh, not wanting her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. 
He was a man that loved Mary, even though it was going to cost him. He was righteous because he, he was committed to following God's law, but at the same time, she, she had been unfaithful. He didn't want to see her stoned. He didn't want to see her publicly embarrassed. He was selfless and compassionate towards Mary. For that alone, we ought to be thankful. And what a great example that is for us. Amen? Joseph didn't make that decision out of anger. It would have been easy. I know if it had been me, it would have been easy to become angry and frustrated and just, well, I'm going to get you. I'm going to show you. You humiliated me. You did this to me. You destroyed my life. I'm going to get even. Joseph wasn't concerned about getting even. He was loving and compassionate, and he was willing to take the embarrassment to spare Mary. That's a righteous man. That's an amazing man. But he didn't divorce Mary because he had an encounter from God. Aren't you thankful for God encounters? Amen. All of us need God encounters. In verse 20 it says, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary for your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. Now, I really think that Mary told him, when she told him that she was with child, that she told Joseph, this is of the Holy Spirit. I have been faithful to you. But Joseph, being a man, thinking logically, I don't think so. So God had to convince him. Aren't you thankful that God can convince us? <laughs> but he was convinced. And in, in this verse we just read, he is to name this child Jesus. Jesus comes from the Latin and it's translated into English, but in the Hebrew it's Yeshua. And Yeshua literally means, it means God is salvation or God brings salvation. It was a perfect name for the Messiah. Amen? So think about that when you name your children. Names speak something powerful over our kids. Amen? I know there's some crazy names out there. And I've encountered kids that had names that I thought, oh no. Do you know what you're speaking over your child? But names are powerful. And somebody asked me, that, somebody asked me in Pakistan, what does Milton mean? And I went, oh no. Milton is an old English name. It's a family name. That's why I got stuck with it. But. but it means one from a mill town. That's what it means. One from a mill town. So somewhere in my ancestry, 
Somewhere back there, they came from a mill town. But I was thinking about this years ago when God first brought me to Alaska and I was pastoring my, my first church in Wrangell. Somebody asked me that and God spoke to me because Wrangell was a mill town. They had a mill there. They, they lumbered. There was logging all around, and, and the, the town was known because they had a mill there. And God said, I brought you to a mill town. So our names are significant. Our names are powerful. And the name of Jesus is the most powerful name in the world. Amen. Look at... Look at verse 22. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, then he quotes from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Now, Isaiah contains the, the most scriptures that are prophesying the Messiah's coming. And this is just one of them. And it's interesting because this prophecy came when Syria was surrounding Judah and King Ahaz was worried, they were concerned, they were going to be overcome. And Isaiah comes and gives him this word. Now, theologians have been trying to, to figure this out and, and Bible scholars have for years. And some of them think that it, you know, most prophecies in the Old Testament, a lot of them anyway, will have a, an immediate fulfillment and then they will have an ultimate fulfillment. And so Bible scholars have taken this and they, they, they think that maybe it was Isaiah's son that was going to be assigned to the king. And maybe uh, he hadn't married yet and maybe there was... Uh, uh, a, a beautiful young lady that was still a virgin that he was going to marry and then they were going to have a son and the son and they've tried to 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 work that all out and then others have thought well no it was the king maybe the king had had a young lady that that he that was still a virgin that he hadn't uh, been intimate with yet and and that she was going to have a son but I don't believe that the, the great scholars Kyle and Dalich, who are some of the best Old Testament scholars, said there's not evidence for that in history, in historical doc documents or scripture. And what they believed, and I, I agree with them, is that Isaiah was seeing into the future. He was seeing, he didn't know Mary, but he, there was going to be a young Jewish girl and that was going to experience the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in her life. And she was going to give birth to the Messiah. And then the Messiah is the one that we all look to. And the Messiah is the one that says, everything's going to be all right. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be upset. You don't, it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. Who's got you surrounded? It, all those things don't matter. Today, when, when there's people talking about Russia and, and, and launching a nuclear weapon and, and we hear of wars and rumors of wars. We have things in our own country and struggles and all these different things. Everything's going to be all right. 
Isaiah, I believe he was singing to the future that God was telling him, there's going to be God with you, Emmanuel. His name shall be called Emmanuel. And because God loved this world so much, he sent his only begotten son. Amen. Oh, it's Christmas. Somebody needs to get excited about that. I'd read this passage multiple times, and I'd never, I'd never thought about that. And God just showed me that this, this week, and it just impacted my heart. I don't believe that Isaiah was, there was a, 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 there, you know, a prophecy about his own son, or Ahaz, King Ahaz's son. I believe he was saying the Messiah is coming, and that's God's guarantee that everything's going to be all right. Note also that the angel addresses Joseph as the son of David. That's uncommon in the New Testament. In fact, Joseph is the only person that it's said of besides Jesus himself. And Matthew there is showing his readers something powerful. He's telling them that Jesus is a rightful heir of King David. He's making that very clear. But he's also telling Joseph, you are a son of David, there is authority, you are of royal lineage, and you need to fulfill God's plan and take the responsibility you have because you are a son of David. It also tells us God didn't just come up and go, Okay, where's a Jewish boy? I've got to pick a Jewish boy that's about to get married and betrothed. No, Joseph was a righteous young man. He was a man who loved God's Word, who lived by God's Word. He was compassionate. He was kind. He showed grace and mercy and love. God didn't just choose him randomly. You know, so, much time, so many times we put focus on Mary and, and that she was a special young lady of God and God had a plan for her. And He did. She was. But church, Joseph was chosen to raise the Messiah. And every child needs a father. One of the, the, the greatest issues today in the United States that's causing us so many difficulties is the fact we don't have children that are being raised by their fathers. And I'm not trying to be down. I'm not trying. I'm just stating a fact. It's, they have researched it and even secular psychologists and scientists, researchers, they all agree that's one of the reasons why we have so many young boys that grow up and end up in prison or in jail. And that's why we have so many young men that get off track and shoot people and do horrible things. Men, be a father. Joseph is an example God chose him, and God chose you to father your children or your stepchildren. 
I want to be like Joseph. How about you? Amen. The angel told Joseph to name his son Jesus. It reminded him of his responsibility in raising Jesus. Because in this time, it was the father who named the sons. And when Joseph, it tells us in the text at the very end, Joseph named Jesus. And that act was Joseph accepting the responsibility of raising the Messiah. It was just as powerful as adopting him. That's literally, you know, what he was doing. He's saying, I'm taking the responsibility. I'm naming this. He is my son. I'm going to guide him. I'm going to be the father to him. Isn't that powerful? He took that responsibility. And finally, in verse 24, it says, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. He knew he was the son of David. He was one of God's people. He was committed to Scripture. He was committed to what God had planned for his life. And I told you I wasn't going to go long today. And I'm going to keep my word. But those were some golden nuggets. Amen? Those were some golden nuggets. Now God, I want to end with this last thought. God had promised David that his descendants would rule on his throne. God promised him that. You find it in Psalm 89. And in that Psalm, it tells us that God gave this promise to David that one of his descendants would continue to be on the throne of David. And it says forever. But God also said, now if your sons, your descendants, do not follow my ways and they do not you know, live for him, he says, then I'm not going to be able to allow them to do it. But he goes on and says, because of David's life and the, the heart he had for God, God showed him mercy. David built up mercy. And God says, I'm not going to lie to David that even if his descendants will not live for me and I can't allow them, there will be one descendant who will fulfill this promise. And it's Jesus. (laughs) Jesus is the King of kings. He is the Son of David. And He will rule forever and ever and ever and ever. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! So it's Christmas. And we can celebrate. Imagine Joseph when 
when he, when he had that experience with the angel and it finally sunk in. This child is from the Holy Spirit. This child is the promised Messiah and God chose me to be the father. God chose me to be a part of this. His anger, all that had to go. And all of a sudden, he, he felt like worshiping God and praising God and giving Him glory. Lord, thank you. I'm part of the Christmas story. I'm part of the Christmas story. And church, that's exactly how we should respond because God has made us part of the Christmas story. It's Christmas. Amen. Amen. So I want you to stand with me. Worship team, I want you to come. Y'all never thought your pastor was going to dance all through his message today, did you? I want to have the heart of Joseph. I want to recognize... Jesus is the Messiah. And what He came to do for each one of us that receive Him. That God says, I want you to be part of the Christmas story. And like Joseph, I want to celebrate. I want to celebrate what God's done. And so as we close today, I want you to just join me and I want to celebrate. I want to celebrate the fact that when I was six years old, I got down on my knees and I asked Jesus to come into my heart and into my life and he's been there ever since. And I want to celebrate that I'm part of the Christmas story. I'm part of the family of God. So for just a minute before we leave, I want you just to worship the Lord. Imagine like Joseph, that that revelation comes to you. God chose me to be part of the Christmas story. And just begin to thank Him for it, would you? joining us today we look forward to connecting with you next time and don't forget you can support us by giving through the church center app or by going online at summitwc.com give